Life podcast. We truly hope you'll be inspired and challenged today. Now, let's dive into this message with the family at Pleasant Ridge. Well, as you know, um, Pleasant Ridge uh, Christian Fellowship here, we are an elder-led church, meaning that uh, me and three other guys, uh, Jeff, Jerry, and Alan, um, all participate in shepherding this congregation. And uh, I challenged the guys uh, this year that we need to be teaching together through a book, and uh, we settled on First uh, Timothy. And so we've been rotating through first Sunday of every month. Each elder has been taking a portion out of First Timothy and teaching through that. And uh, this week, Jerry's going to be uh, bringing us the word and sharing with us out of First uh, Timothy. And uh, so you pray for him, and he's going to come and uh, bring us the word. Well, Omer, I know exactly how you feel, and if I do as good as you did, I'll be happy. <laughs> well, welcome, everybody. Uh, appreciate you all being here, and uh, as Mike said, uh, I guess I'm the final in the round of four of us as we start through this series, and so... Uh, my wife asked me if I was ready, and I said, well, I think I've gone to the limit of my ability, so we'll see what the Lord does with that, because I'm going to need that. But anyway, um, we are in the book of Timothy, and uh, working our way through, uh, Alan, Mike, and Jeff have finished chapter one, which was kind of... Uh, from my perspective, an overview. Paul introduces himself. He greets Timothy, kind of reminds Timothy where he came from and what he's what his purpose is. Does a little talking about himself, where he come from, and how he's thankful that the Lord has chose him. Before I go too far, hang on. If you're new here, you probably don't know this about me, but occasionally I need a tissue. Uh, that's why I prefer the booth in the back, because then it doesn't distract you guys. Um, anyhow, uh, chapter one is kind of an introduction. Paul gives his purpose for writing a little bit and talks about a few things to Timothy, reminds him of some things. And then when we get to chapter two, which is where we're going to be today, chapter two, verses one through four... Uh, Paul begins his instruction, if you will, to Timothy about some things. Uh, Paul has left Timothy behind and moved on to take care of some other things. And so uh, as we begin here in chapter 2, uh, Paul is kind of starting in on his instruction to Timothy. And so we're going to read he here this morning. <coughs> Excuse me. We're going to read here this morning. Uh, from chapter 2, we're going to read these first four verses. First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, and intercessions and thanksgivings be made for all people, 
for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So Paul says, okay, Timothy, now we're going to get on to what I'm writing to you about. But first, before we talk about exhorting, before we talk about people problems, before we talk about all these other things, uh, before you instruct, before you exhort, the first thing I want you to do is pray. And that's my main point for you all today is for all of us to understand the importance to pray. Before we do anything, we want to pray. Um, the message says this just a little differently, and I wanted to bring you verse 1, if you would, Kayla. Um, the first thing I want you to do is pray. Pray every way you know how for everyone you know, is the way the message translates that first verse. Because prayer is important. First thing you want to do is pray. And so, point number one, before you do anything else, pray. My mother and father-in-law have been in ministry for over 50 years. And they sent us, well, they sent to Carrie, her mom sent her this, and I thought it was really good and it fits with what we're looking at today, and I want to read it to you. It's from a pastor friend of theirs he posted online. It says, pray before you respond, pray before you decide, pray before you offer advice, pray before you lovingly correct. When you pray before, your response will usually not be the same as it was going to be before you prayed. Let God speak before you speak. Let him direct your steps. And that really, really touched me, and it's so true. And I'm going to read it to you again, but I'm going to change it just a little bit because I want you to get this. So before you respond, pray. Before you decide, pray. Before you offer advice, which we all love to do, right? Before you offer advice, pray. Before you lovingly correct, pray. And notice it did say lovingly there. Uh, sometimes I forget that part when I'm trying to correct. Uh, but that's, that's a key thing there too. When you pray before you respond, your response will usually not be the same as it was going to be before you prayed. And you know, as I, I've been working on this for a little over a month now, and um, Carrie brought this to me when I started, and I've actually had a chance to practice this a couple times since then, and it's amazing. I can remember one situation in particular, which I'm not going to tell you about, but I'm going to tell you my response changed drastically when she and I stopped and prayed before I responded. 
So let God speak to you before you speak to them and let him direct your steps. Anyway, so that is uh, something that we need to do. We need to learn to pray. We need to be willing to pray and let God help us as we go through life. Now, so the question that came to my mind is, my mind's a little different than most people, but the question that came to my mind is, what exactly is prayer? What does that mean when we say, let's pray, or let's go to prayer? What does that mean? Uh, you may all be familiar with, you know, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Any of you say that as a little child? Or how about, you know, Lord bless this bunch as we munch our lunch, amen. Um, I don't think that's what Paul had in mind here when he said first pray, <laughs> all right? So we're going to just take a few moments here, and uh, I'm going to try not to be nervous, and I'm going to try to settle down, and we're just going to take a couple minutes here. And we're going to look at what does it mean, what does it mean to pray? What is prayer? What does it mean to pray? So, I went to my Webster's 1828 dictionary, which I have, and uh, the first thing I did was go to prayer. What is the definition of prayer? And prayer as a noun here, this is Daniel Webster's definition of prayer. I think you might be surprised. Prayer is a solemn address to the supreme being, consisting of adoration or an expression of our sense of God's glorious perfections, confessions of sin, supplication for mercy and forgiveness, intercession for blessings on others, and thanksgiving or an expression of gratitude to God for his mercies and benefits. You get all that? That's Daniel Webster's definition of prayer. Now, does prayer always have to look like that? Of course not. I know there's times when we've been driving down the road and somebody stops in front of us or something happens, and my wife will say a very loud, very fast prayer. God help us! So, <laughs> before she did that, she would, when we were early married, she would just yell, Jerry! <laughs> and I'd be, what? <laughs> and then I would look back to see the vehicle sitting in front of me. And I told her, don't, don't call me because it takes my attention away from that. Just pray. Just say, Lord, help us. So, we've... We've come a long ways in 36 years. Anyway. All right, where was it? Okay, so let me move on then to number two definition that Daniel gave in the dictionary. A prayer, however, may consist of a single petition, and it may be extemporaneous, written or printed. How many of you know what extemporaneous means? Okay, I had to look it up. I see one hand back there. Extemporaneous simply means spoken or done without preparation. So you just do it without preparing. Just like I said, God help us is a prayer sometimes. So there are those two definitions that he gives for prayer. And uh, matter of fact, when I was young in Sunday school, we were always told 
when we would ask what, or when they would tell us what is prayer, they would say it's simply talking to God. Prayer is simply communicating with God, talking to Him. So there are the two definitions, the simple one and the more full definition. Today I want to spend just a few minutes on the bigger definition uh, that we read there first. And so I found it interesting that in this verse number one, um, Kayla, you mind? Oh, she sat down. Never mind. Um, in verse number one, if you read it in the uh, ESV, Paul says, first of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be, for made, be made for all people. And I don't know if you caught that, but Daniel Webster used prayer, supplications, intercessions, and thanksgiving. The same four things in his definition that is in this verse that Paul wrote to us in verse 1 of, of, of 1 Timothy chapter 2. So we're just going to take a moment here and look at each of these things because for one thing, for me, just like this extemporaneous, I hope I said that right, uh, this word supplications was a big word for me too. I'm kind of a more of a simple person and uh, so I had to look that one up as well. And so um, we're going to look at the definition. By the way, um, just a side note here. Uh, we had a conversation last Sunday. Uh, we, were, we got together with the worship team and had lunch. And um, some of the people were using letters and words that I didn't really have a clue what they were talking about. And um, I thought it was interesting. This, this dictionary that I have, this 1828 dictionary, uh, Daniel Webster spent 10 years comparing words in 20 languages, going back to the roots of all of these languages with that word to compile the meanings, the definitions and the pronunciations that he put in this dictionary. And now today it's like every week the words mean something different, you know, and it's like I get caught all the time saying things that I grew up saying 60 years ago that now mean something you don't want to say when you're in public. So... I just thought that was interesting how, that how much work that uh, Webster went to, through for the dictionary. But anyhow, back to, the, back to our purpose of being here. Um, the word supplication means a petition. And then it says, after that, earnest request. So then my question was, what is earnest? What's an earnest request? And it just gets worse because the word is ardent. Have any, do any of you know what ardent means? Of course, John does. <laughs> Thank you, John. <laughs> Anyhow, it's a passionate or affectionate or a much engaged or even zealous request. So the connotation being here, when you're praying earnestly, when you are really just, you're pouring out your heart to God, that's what we would call a supplication, okay? So, and the... Uh, that was from Webster, from the, the Strong's word that's used there. Um, the word is also defined as petition. Although I found it interesting that 18 different times that Greek word is used in the New Testament. And of those 18 times, 12 times it's only translated in, in the scripture as prayer. And then five times as supplication 
and one of those it's actually translated as request. So the translators, I suppose, being I'm not a Greek scholar, I suppose the translators have to take the context and everything and the prefixes and all that stuff um, to, to kind of determine how they translate that. But the word supplication, so here in our verse, we have, I urge that supplications, so that's the urgent kind of pour your heart out, seeking God with all your worth kind of thing. Um, and, the, and then in the verse, the next one is prayers, which interestingly enough, I, one of those verses we just talked about has both the word for supplication and the word for prayer. And that verse is, actually comes from 1 Timothy as well, chapter 5. It says, she who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. So I could just see this widow, this probably possibly a mother, and how she pours her heart out to God. But she also, it says, gives prayers night and day. Well, what is the word there? Uh, they're using as prayer. What, is, what does that mean? Um, that word is... I'm not even going to try it in the Greek. Uh, but it basically means worshiping God and giving Him reverence. It can also include confession of sin. So prayers, the word prayers here that's being used is more of a Worshiping God, thanking Him, um, giving Him honor and respect for who He is, as well as taking some time to confess our sin to Him. So supplications and prayers are the first two here in this uh, verse. The other thing um, that I wanted to point out, I also flipped over in the dictionary and looked up the word pray. So we have pray and we have prayer. And I've, I've given you the definition for prayer. The word for pray I found interesting. And John, are you an English teacher? Is that what you do? Okay. Do you know what intransitive and transitive is? Yeah. I thought you probably did. I don't know if anybody else here does or not. I did not even know of those two words until I was doing this. But pray has two different meanings in the fact that it's a verb. One is intransitive, which means you don't pass on from you to something else or someone else, whatever it is you're doing. And transitive means you do pass it on. So when we pray in the intransitive mode, it's like, well, the example here is I walk, I run, so I pray. So I'm just praying myself. It's me and God. We're praying. We're talking to each other. In the transitive mode, um, it is maybe I'm praying for one of you or I'm praying that God will help you or minister to you or bless you. And so there's two different uh, ways or giving worship to God, placing my prayers of worship and, and, and so on to him. So there's two different words there. So I thought that was interesting. But generally the word Paul uses here is basically worshiping God, giving him reverence and confession of sin. Okay, the next word in that verse comes up. We're looking at intercessions. Now, intercessions, I suspect most of us are a little more aware of, uh, you know, when you intercede on someone's behalf. 
basically, the word here means to make a request for... Now, Webster defines it, a request for blessings on behalf of someone or something. Uh, the Greek is essentially an interesting word that I'm not scholarly enough to totally understand, but it also involves the idea of... Um, it's, the word is interview, so it's like it's a very detailed... Uh, we, we are getting to know what's going on in this person's life, and we are committed to praying in detail for this person that God would move on their behalf for this situation, whatever it is, but, but it's, it's a, a more detailed, more intense time of bringing before the Lord um, those, that situation or that person. And then finally, uh, thanksgivings is what it is. Thanksgivings, it's giving an expression of gratitude to God for his mercies and his benefits to all of us. And so as Paul says here in th this verse 1, first of all, before you do anything else, I urge you that you make supplications, that you make prayers, that you intercede for others, and that you give thanksgiving, and that this done, be done for all people, that these be made for all people is the way verse 1 ends there. So now that we kind of know what this prayer is, what it's about, why should we do it? That sounds like a lot of work to me. By the time I get done going through the supplications and the prayers and the intercessions and giving thanksgiving, you know, I could have done three things outside. Uh, my wife is also working on me that the things outside are only as part... I mean, let me start over. The things inside, like praying these prayers, are as important as the things outside, and I'm working on that. And it's probably something we all uh, will need to work on somewhat is making time to do this praying. So why should we pray? Well, I'm just going to give you some scriptures here. Um, scripture tells us to. This verse right here then says, first, pray. I urge you to pray. First uh, Timothy 2. And it says in verse 3 there, uh, it says, this is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. So praying is good and pleasing to God. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says, don't be anxious about anything. Is anybody here ever anxious? I know I get anxious. This says, don't be anxious. Instead, pray. Don't be anxious about any, anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, which is the definition of supplication there, prayer and petition with thanksgiving. So even here he puts it all together. Present your request to God. And did you know that God wants us to pray? Some, I heard somebody say the other day, why should we pray? Because God can do whatever he wants. He doesn't need me to ask him to do that. But God wants us to. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 says, ask. So right here clearly in Scripture it says, ask, and it will be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. 
Last night, uh, we went to see a play that Kayla, Kayla was in. Uh, it was about the story of um, Amy Carmichael. And one of the scenes there, she was around 15, and she was praying, no, she was younger. This was the younger scene. She was praying that she had brown eyes and she wanted blue eyes. And she prayed, Lord, give me blue eyes. And her mother came in and said, and she said, I'm just, I don't know what to do. I've been praying and asking God for blue eyes and he hasn't answered me. And her mother looked at her and said, is no an answer? The answer is yes. Sometimes God says no. So um, this verse says, ask and it will be given, seek and you will find, knock and it will be open. Sometimes our answer is no. And we don't like that because we all think, well, I didn't get the answer because I didn't get what I asked for. So, and there's another verse down here, uh, actually this next one, maybe, uh, James chapter 4, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. Sometimes you ask, verse 3, you ask and do not receive, because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So I'm not saying that if you don't get your prayer answered, you asked wrongly. Don't, don't get me wrong there. But what I am saying is we need to pray whether we get the answer we're after or not, okay? Because God says if we pray, he will hear us. And we'll see that here in a little bit even more. Uh, another one here says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So there's just a few places in Scripture, and I know there's more, uh, but where the Bible tells us to pray, okay? So why should we pray? There's, there's many reasons. Um, and then this last one, uh, sometimes we feel like we pray and we pray and we pray and we're just not being heard. This, this is Luke chapter 18, and it's the first eight verses. It's a little bit long, but I'm going to try to read it to you quickly here. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? So again, just a little bit of an encouragement to keep on praying. If you're not getting the answer, and again, the Lord always hears. He has his own ways about answering. Um, 
but he does hear and he does answer. So when we, when we pray, God hears us. Why is it so hard for us then to pray? Prayer is an act of humility. If you read 2 Chronicles 7.14, it says, If my people who are called by my name, so these are people called by God's name, if they will humble themselves. Prayer is an act of humility. It's humbling ourselves and acknowledging our dependence on God and our need for the supernatural intervention of God in our lives. It's turning from dependence on our own abilities and our own resources to trusting in God to take care of us and the situations we find ourselves in. So again, back to that verse, if those people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. So sometimes, you know, we have pride and it's like, I can do this. I don't need any help. I don't need anybody to help me. I can do this. But there's many times when we find ourselves in a spot where, hmm, that didn't work. Now what do I do? So we need to be willing to humble ourselves and, and say to ourselves, I can't do this on my, no, my own, and turn to God and ask Him, humble ourselves and pray, and He will hear us, as the verse said there. And I think uh, this too, uh, something Carrie and I have been learning a lot lately is we have to be intentional. If I'm going to be in the Word regularly, if I'm going to be fellowshipping regularly, I have to be intentional. Because if not, life runs you over like a freight train. And all of a sudden you're just going here and there and everywhere. Oh, where did that year go? So this is another thing that we have to be intentional about is humbling ourselves and saying, okay, I'm just going to stop right now and I'm going to pray. Carrie does this to me all the time. I say, I can't find whatever. Well, did you pray about it? No. Okay, let's pray. Five minutes later, there it is right there, you know. Uh, it's just something that we need to be intentional about and get in the habit of doing. Okay, and before I run out of time here, which is quickly flying by me, uh, I just want to touch on the last verse there. Uh, well, actually the last couple, actually it's the last three verses there. So it says, supplications, prayers, intercessions be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. So who should we pray for? Obviously everyone, which is what this verse says, all people. Let's do this for all people. And I believe in this particular passage where Paul is headed with this is he closes this section in verse 4 with, uh, and it's kind of in the middle of the sentence, but God is assumed here, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So in this particular case, God is saying, pray for all people because I want everyone to come to the truth. I want everyone to know me and come to the truth. But I also believe it applies that we, we pray for everybody, we pray for everything because as we've already discussed, um, it's always better when you do that. 
God always helps us. And then kings and all who are in high positions is mentioned here. And sometimes I wonder if the place we're in in our country now is because we don't regularly do this. We don't pray for the kings and the people who are in authority over us. We get frustrated. We say, oh, go and vote. We write letters. We scream and holler. We wrote all these things on the social media stuff that Mike can tell you about because I don't know. Um, but um, instead of getting on our knees and praying, as, as the preacher said there in the beginning, before we respond, before we correct, before we... Um, and so, you know, Proverbs chapter 21 says, the king's heart is like a stream of water directed by the Lord. He, he guides it wherever he pleases. So anyone who's in authority anywhere is being directed by the Lord. And again, the Lord wants us to ask. And if we ask, who knows what part our prayers might play in something that someone in authority does or doesn't do. So since it's an unknown, just pray because you never know what might change and we'll know when we get to heaven uh, the results of that. Well, I was going to end with a story. I'm pretty much out of time, but I'm going to try to try to just uh, give you this. This is just a personal thing that happened to us um, several years back, 1993. Uh, some of you may not have been born back then. I'm not sure. But anyway, um, I was at Regent University. I went there to study radio sound and get my master's degree. And so... Uh, while we were there, I got a job in the media services department, which uh, was paying me a whopping $19,000 a year. So it was my wife and I and four children living in Virginia Beach was a very expensive place to live. And so we were living there, and I was working and getting ready to do classes. And things were kind of tough. It was just tight, and we were living in this little bitty house with a little bitty yard, and uh, having, uh, see, Jeremy, Christy, Jesse, and Jonas, so you know what kind of a bunch that was. Three boys and a girl. Very rambunctious. Uh, anyhow, so I was working, and we were trying to find an, another place to live, and we just, nothing we could afford. And as time went by, we came to a point where I said to her, you know, either I've got to get a raise or we're going to have to go somewhere else. This just isn't working. And so... I believe it was a Sunday evening, we kneeled down and we prayed and we said, Lord, you know our situation, I don't know what to do here. Uh, the university at that point was under a hiring freeze and a wage freeze uh, for at least a year, they said, because it was tough times. And so anyway, we got down and we prayed. Next morning, I, and I worked in media services, which was under the library's direction, so the dean of the library called me into her office. She was a wonderful elderly lady. I don't know. She was probably 80-something. Um, and she called me in her office, and she, said, she closed the door, and she said, now you can't breathe a word about this to anybody, but I talked to the trustees, and you're getting a $6,000 raise. She said, nobody else is getting a raise. They're not giving raises, but you're getting a $6,000 raise. Wow. 
And what do you do when the Lord gives you a blessing like that and you're not allowed to say a word about it to anybody? Uh, that's tough. But, and the, and the one thing I forgot to tell you about, one of the guys that worked under me, his wife worked at the food pantry, and she graciously every week would bring us a box of food to help with expenses. Well, the day after I got the raise, she came to see me and she said, I'm really sorry, I feel really bad, I don't know what to do, but I'm not working at the food pantry anymore and I can't bring you food anymore. And how do you say, that's okay, I just got a raise, but you can't say it. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I said, well, thank you, we appreciated it so much, the time that you did that. And then in through this whole time, we are, we are, of course, trying to figure out another place to live and whatever. And I don't remember the exact timing, but it was right after that sometime when a couple out south of town who ran a dairy farm decided to go to Albania as missionaries. And they wanted someone to live in their house on the dairy farm. And the Lord provided that for us. So that was probably a year in coming uh, that the Lord answered that prayer for us. And it was a wonderful place for the children and for all of us to live. They had the little calves and they had a petting thing, you know, and it was open to the public. And they had a bakery and they had their own uh, store where they made their own ice cream and everything. I mean, it was just for little kids, it's like being in heaven, you know, it was just... Uh, except for the ones that lived with me because I made them work too. But um, <laughs> Anyhow, point is God heard our prayer. One was answered right away. The other one it was probably closer to a year. Uh, but that's just one thing. And what I've learned in my life is it, there was like a prayer that God answered and I was like, wow, God answered that prayer. And so I wasn't quite as fast to come back to it again, but over time... As God entered our prayers, we got more and more and more to the point where that's where we went first instead of trying everything ourselves and then praying. And the older we get now, uh, you know, almost 30 years later, um, I feel like we tend to pray first and then try most of the time. Not always. We're not perfect by any means. But um, I think as we work our way into this, it's like a habit. It becomes easier and easier and easier. And the more you see God work in your life, the more apt you are to go and ask him for help. Anyhow, I am definitely over my time. So one closing thought before we pray. And this is from Romans chapter 12. And it's simply this. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.